this podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. February is Black History Month. The Black community has been stuck in survival mode for so long that health and wellness are viewed as a luxury rather than a necessity. I want to flip the script on this mindset. This is why I created the Brand New You Challenge, but I wanted to take it a step further. In addition to my usual segments, each week I will also be highlighting members within the Black community who are dedicated to empowering people with the knowledge they need to get to the next level. I was thoroughly inspired and motivated by these individuals, and I know you will be as well. I have a special request to ask you. If you're enjoying the content provided by Hustle & Faith, please be sure to rate and leave a review. Thank you. So today I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Somi Igbené. She is a biomedical scientist, a registered nutritionist, and a nutritional therapist. She is known for providing advice to help reverse prediabetes, develop sustainable, healthy eating habits, and to help people achieve their goal of living a healthy life. Welcome to the show, Somi. Hi, Tasha. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So you've done most of the work already, but I'm just going to reaffirm that I am a registered associate um, nutritionist. I specialize in pre-diabetes and helping people cultivate healthy eating habits. I am also a biomedical scientist and nutritional therapist, like you mentioned. I'm based in the UK. Um, Besides my professional life, I am also a wife and a mother of three young children. Um, Reading and weightlifting are my favorite hobbies um, and music is my favorite way of relieving anxiety and stress and that's me in a nutshell wow okay so you have a very full plate (laughs) to say the (laughs) least oh my goodness how do you do all of that my goodness (laughs) I have no idea I just know that I wake up every day and I say oh god thank you I made it another day let's try again Uh, right (laughs) that's all we can ask right exactly (laughs) let me ask you this what inspired you to become a medical scientist and nutritionist so um from as far back as I can remember I've always been interested in science and how the human body works I've always wanted to help people with their health um initially I decided to study biomedical sciences as my first degree um which is basically everything about the theoretical side of medicine with lots of research but without the clinical practice um the medical doctors undergo um I had planned to go on to become a medical doctor um after my first degree but After I got the offer to study, I figured I didn't really want to prescribe medication to people for illnesses. Mm -hmm. Instead, I wanted to advise people how to use food and nutrition to boost their immunity and health and avoid becoming ill in the first place. And that's really what changed my perspective on everything and led me to become a 
a nutritionist. Um, so becoming a nutritionist was also inspired by the three years I was vegan. And during that period, one of my biggest lessons was just how diets could never be a one size fits all affair. Mm-hmm. It really is something that we all need to do. Um, and while doing it, we need to respect our body's needs, find what works and stick to that one thing rather than trying to try every fad diet or every new thing that comes comes about. You know what? I could not agree with you anymore on that. You know, it's it's so funny. I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but I'm curious, why don't more doctors really focus on the health, diet, nutrition, exercise aspect? Because over here, I've got some friends that are doctors and that part of the um, their curriculum is extremely small, but we all know how important that is. I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? So that is the fundamental problem that you've just highlighted. The, okay. the curriculum is just doesn't have enough nutrition science in it. The, the, the um, doctors, I don't know why, but they, they don't tend to believe in food as much as medicine. That is starting <laughs> to change. Wow. They are starting to, to, to view food as the basic foundation of health. Um, but it's still going to take a long time before they really make that the forefront of their practice. I've had a recent experience where a doctor has berated me for not giving my son medication, um, even though it's uh, recommended that he takes it. But mm-hmm. he's doing so well without it he's perfectly healthy mm-hmm. healthier than they actually expected him to be you know but they still think that he needs to take the medication just to tick a box to say oh he's taking the medication so it, it's this mm-hmm. thing of thinking one size fits all just because these are the recommendations they don't actually look to see does a need this or does A not need this and does B need this? And so we don't need to do what A needs for B. They're just so focused on medica- on medication because that's what they thought they're, they're taught in medical school. Yes. So to get them out of that is going to it's, it's going to take a long time, even if nutrition science is um, nutrition science is included in their curriculum, their first thought is always what's the medicine for this? What's the medicine for that? That is so disturbing (laughs) to me. It really is. And I've been in this situation, like, um, kind of, kind of similar to what you said, um, in the past, you know, I pretty much, I had issues and then I started really, that's what started my whole nutrition journey, if you will. And I just noticed changing my diet and food that worked out so much better than the medicine or (laughs) Uh, to be quite honest, it was cracked. It made me feel worse <laughs> than the actual symptoms that I was having. So it, yeah, it, it is disturbing to me that you wouldn't think to look at food, diet, nutrition, like, like that is just astounding to me. I truly do hope that that changes. I, I, I totally do too, because you, the, the thing that most people who are unaware of how good makes you feel when they're taking medication is that all medication does is just put a bandaid on things. It's not addressing mm. the 
underlying issues. It's not making you any better. In some cases, it's probably making you worse. Actually, in most cases, it is because you find that over time, the dosage of medication you need to take keeps increasing, meaning that you're not actually fixing the problem. You're just making it worse. But if you change your lifestyle, you're going to get way more results. Yes, it probably might take you a slightly longer time to start feeling better as the medication tricks you to feel that you're better but that's going to be a longer lasting change than taking medication that a is probably not doing anything b is probably just going to cost you more money in the long run and financial ruin yeah yeah and and to be quite honest when you see like the side effects when they list out all the side effects i'm like that's worse than what i had (laughs) (laughs) there was one of them like hallucinations i'm like i'm sorry i'm out count me out like how did this get passed anyway <laughs> oh my goodness so you know what are some of the common myths many of us believe about our diet and weight loss so I think that the first main issue is really the one size fits all approach. So once a new diet comes out, the usual message is that it's the antidote to all illness. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Besides, many of us are hyper-focused on what we shouldn't be eating instead of what we should eat. So we end up boxing ourselves into strict rules, depriving ourselves of the nourishment we need while trying to chase uh, unrealistic standards. Now, it's true that the rates of obesity and lifestyle conditions like type 2 diabetes are escalating out of control. And, you know, there's enough research to show the weight loss effectively reduces the risk of these conditions. The thing, though, is that achieving long-term weight management is about changing habits and not just starting diets. So if we can learn to block out the noise from the diet industry telling us, you know, we need to take a particular pill or we need to follow a specific diet, we'll probably be in a much better place. Um, Another thing is that weight loss is not really about avoiding or eating one specific food. It's really about making better choices to the whole diet consistently. Um, Another thing, though, that people tend to forget is that food is not just about nutrients. It's not just about getting healthier. It is also about enjoyment. So if we can marry these things together, you know, the things that people try and spew out, whether it's the diet industry, whether it's influencers, whether it's just things that we read, wouldn't have as much impact on us. And we wouldn't be believing rubbish things that that don't actually work um, long, you know, long term. Uh, I hope that sort of answers your question. No, that really does. And I was thinking about all the different diets that I've seen, the keto diet, South Beach diet. It almost seems like the same diet, just repackaged into a different name. Am am I correct on that? You, you are. And actually, what's even worrying as well is, you know, most, most of these diet companies rebranding and trying to make themselves what they are not. So I don't want to, I mean, I hope this is a safe space. Of for, course, example. Yes. <laughs> for example, Weight Watchers now becoming WW. I, I don't know yes. what's that stands for at the moment or noom trying to say they're telling you about eating, uh, establishing a healthy lifestyle. Meanwhile, it's about asking you to eat 1200 calorie diets the who who even young children cannot yeah. be sustained on that like c- c- clearly 
telling you to eat a specific number of nutrients. I mean, for some for someone who is trying to lose weight, we, we know that you do need to eat a little bit less calories to lose weight. Sure. That's a scientific fact. But you don't need to eat only 1,200 calories to, to do that. And everybody doesn't have to eat 1,200 calories. We all have different lifestyles. We have different medical conditions or we don't have medical conditions. We have different lifestyles. Some of us are more active than the other. You know, there's so many things. Our, our ages are, are different. Um, we have so many different factors that come into play. So somebody, for example, who has type 2 diabetes, whether or not they're the same age, weight, height and everything as somebody who doesn't have type 2 diabetes is going to have completely different needs. And everyone doesn't have to lose weight like yesterday. You can still make more changes and reach the same destination, whether it takes you one year or two years. The most important thing is that you are progressing towards health. There's no prizes for getting who gets there fast. And most times when you get there fast, you also go back to where you were fast. So yes. it's, not, it's not beneficial in the, in the long term. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that, that yo-yo dieting. Um, and, and again, I, I almost hate the fact that some of these companies are able to get away with that rebranding and making yes. it seem like it's something brand new. Yeah, and the WW, by the way, is still Weight Watchers. If you ask me, they just... Um, they, they, again, they just shorten their name and, and it's, oh. it's a marketing thing. It's, it's a marketing thing. That's exactly what it is. So it's amazing how they get away with that. They have the money, you know, they have the money, they have the brand name. Uh, everybody knows them. So, so, so they can do it. Mm. Um, and then small voices like us get drowned out because we cannot compete with them on any kind of level. So we just okay. have to keep, you know, chirping away and hoping that we can reach people before they fall into that trap. Or if they have, we can pull them out of it and show them the correct way to do things. You know what? I'm kind of curious. Where do you think that 1200 came from anyway? Because that seems to be the standard when I've come across some of these um, kind of like fad diets, if you will, like Weight Watchers, Noom, whatnot, like 1200. Where did that magical number come from? <laughs> you know, that's, that's an excellent question that I need to research myself. I need okay, to I'm just, you know, it's just funny. <laughs> and no worries. I didn't mean to catch you on the spot, but it's just like, oh, no. like all of them, it's 1200. And I'm like, where did this number come from? It, that is actually a good question. I, I don't know why I've never thought about that, but no, it's, this is not even about catching me out. I, I actually now want to know, what, what, why, why is that the gold standard? Yeah, it, <laughs> I almost wonder, is, it, is that like, um, again, because my background is marketing, so I, I automatically think, is that something from a marketing thing? Like, again, a lot of these, a lot of what you see it's, it's very difficult to discern what is good for you and what is told to you that's supposed to be good for you. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. It's kind of hard to differentiate. So yeah, I would love to know the answer. I might even do some research on my own and figure that out. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there actually is a lot of noise out there. And, and that's what even makes nutrition science, science even more yeah. confusing. So while you have the lay people spewing out their own information, you sure. also have professionals who, to a certain extent, are biased towards a particular way of eating that sure. give their own advice. Now, when you marry the two, the person who is just trying to learn okay what should I do 
is just completely confused. Like yeah. they, <laughs> they have no idea. Even sometimes I myself, I question my own beliefs when I hear another professional saying, oh, we should be doing this. And I'm like, is, is this really true? Um, have I been wrong this whole time? Or is this just what's working for her or him? And, they, and that person thinks that everyone should do that. Probably I, I've come to realize looking around that that's usually the case. And it's normal human nature. We tend to promote what is working for us because we think because it's working so well for us, it's going to work for the next person. But what we do, we don't realize is that even our mothers or our brothers or our sisters or our children are not necessarily going to benefit the same way from what we're doing talk less of somebody else who is completely unrelated to us or is completely from a different gene pool (laughs) so so, yeah it's 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 an interesting area to be in but you know at the same time you know sometimes it's it's actually worth it because when you see somebody thriving you feel like okay it may be difficult but you can get there yeah, that, that that is so true. Yeah, it's just going to take a little bit longer, but that's okay. We, we got all the time in the world, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Another thing I want to discuss is what advice do you have for folks that are trying to stay healthy and work out at home? Because again, um, over here, it's it's been interesting. So some gyms are open, quite a few gyms have closed, all these different rules most people have just opted to probably work out at home. So what are your tips for trying to stay healthy while you're working out at home? So um, funny you say like, you know, everyone's working out from home because to be honest, in my opinion, I actually think that working out from home is so much easier than going out to a gym. I I agree. (laughs) (laughs) My whole living room is my little gym sanctuary at this point. (laughs) Yeah. And just full disclaimer, I I might be biased because it's the way I try to stay fit. So maybe that's why I think it's so much easier. But as you know, as a mom of three kids, you can imagine I barely have enough time to get my tasks done. So trying to go out to a gym would just almost be impossible and would just be an easy way for me to decide to skip working out. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, if if anyone's trying to work out from home, I I would say that look for an exercise that you enjoy. There are lots of certified personal trainers um, that provide so many free exercises on YouTube and they cater to a wide range of fitness levels. So whether you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced you always surely find something that gets you moving sweating and improving your fitness um i would also say for you to be able to get healthier and to improve your diet just try to make sure that you make your environment um help you um what i mean by that is that if you keep nourishing whole foods around you you're more likely to eat them regularly than if they weren't there so my advice basically is to first look for exercises that you enjoy doing whether it's the free ones on youtube or paid offers from other companies the stream workouts and then just fill your kitchen and pantry with lots of nourishing foods so that you know your environment makes it easier for you to stay healthy does that answer your question It sure does. Actually, I want to follow up on that. When you say nourishing foods, can you give it a couple examples of what that would look like? Okay. So nourishing foods are basically whole foods um, that are found in nature and foods that are also edible. So these 
whole foods tend to contain the vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, all of the good stuff in them, the way nature intended. When you compare them to processed foods, for example, these are things that us humans have tried to manipulate. Along the way, we will have most likely lost some essential vitamins and um, nutrients. So while they might contain some, they're so um, refined that they've lost a lot of the good things, some of which we know are still in there because they can put them. But the truth is that even though science has advanced to where it is now, we still don't know all the different nutrients and vitamins and antioxidants that are in food. We only know what we've researched so far. So if you stick to foods the way it is created in nature, there's a very good chance that it's going to be nourishing for you. So that's what I mean by nourishing foods. And it includes things like fruits. So your oranges, your apples, your strawberries, your potatoes, your sweet potatoes, mm-hmm. um, even meats, seafood. Um, I mean, if, if, you, if a person doesn't eat those things, that's fine. Stick to all the plant foods. Um, but anything that appears in nature is most likely a nourishing food, as long as it's not poisonous. So it needs to be edible. Okay. Okay. And you know what? There, I'm going to ask another question regarding that. What, what are your thoughts regarding these? Um, again, I don't know if they have this in the UK, but have you heard of like the impossible burger, things of that nature, oh, like oh, foods oh. that are, um, <laughs> quite frankly, <laughs> some of these foods that are derived in a laboratory that are supposed to be still okay. I, I love how you guys actually in the UK, I, I know a lot of Europe has this rule where you have to list on the package if it is a genetically modified product. We don't yeah. really have that rule over here. It is crazy how we can't export certain foods to Europe, but it's okay for us to eat. Right. <laughs> like that, that has never made sense to me. So I'm always reading ingredients. So I'd love to get your take on that too. Oh, yeah. So um, with things like the Impossible Burger and, you know, the likes, honestly, um, I think I would attribute this to um, Mark Hyman, Dr. Mark Hyman, I think that's Mm -hmm. his name. Um, He calls them food-like substances. And I think that's the best description Mm -hmm. for them because they're manipulated to try and make them look like something they're not. There's all sorts of colorings to make them bleed. They're using all sorts of, I I don't know what the current ingredients are, but from what I remember, pea proteins, and they all were heavily processed things um, and I know that in most cases they try to add you know the vitamins and minerals that they think we need but once again like I said there's so many things that we, we don't know occur in whole foods that just by trying to add three or four things that you think is going to make this thing nourishing is not what what makes it nourishing and you also find that with, with people who follow um, strict vegan or vegetarian diets while some of them, I mean, I can't say everyone, but mm-hmm. speaking from my own experience, while you might feel very good initially, you find that over time you start to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. I do have, um, <laughs> I do have somebody who 
you know, who's come to me in the past, um, who has been a vegan for about seven years and she lives in a country where it's kind of the norm to do. But she did let me know she's currently in a in a, in a health crisis and she's let me know that lots of people who come from where she does and follow the same diet and the same problem. But 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 things like this are not publicized because it's not good for marketing mm-hmm. um, by the big companies. Um, so, I mean, if a person chooses to eat that, knowing their risks um, and feels there's the right thing for them to do for themselves and their lifestyle, but by all means. Um, but for the average person who's chasing health, um, adding those foods into your diet, I don't think is the best. I think stick to what occurs in nature um, naturally and just focus on trying to eat them in the correct portion sizes. Where we fall into trouble is when we try to overeat because whether you're overeating good foods or foods that are heavily processed, you can still end up in the same point. Um, it's, It's about balance and getting portion control under control. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we've talked so much about food and diet. What is your favorite meal and exercise? (laughs) So my favorite meal would be anything that has rice in it. (laughs) I love rice. Rice is my downfall as well. Oh, oh no, I I can't help it. I think maybe it's something to do with us black people because I rice was. My mom told me that the first food I ate as a baby was rice. I would just put my hand in anybody's plate and just grab (laughs) a handful and shove it down my mouth. So (laughs) I can't help myself. But for me, um, my favorite food, I think, uh, a bowl of black rice with grilled chicken or any type of seafood and vegetables would absolutely hit the spot for me um exercise mm-hmm. favorite exercise would be weightlifting um i i just love the adrenaline adrenaline rush i get and the feeling of feeling stronger even though i know i'm not exactly getting stronger that very second but yeah. the idea that i am getting stronger is just it's i, I love it you know I, i'm kind of curious because you said weightlifting and that isn't a typical answer from a lot of women so let me ask you this in mm-hmm. terms of strength training versus cardio where are your thoughts in that in terms of their health benefits or in terms of how I feel personally about it you know what it actually both both okay so I think that um to be honest a combination of both is probably the best because Mm -hmm. you need cardio to keep your cardiovascular health that's probably why it's called cardio I never thought about that yeah That's Look at funny. us solving everyday mysteries there. <laughs> 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 Very but yeah, you need you need it for your for your for your heart. So um it's good. And and cardio doesn't have to be running, by the way. It can be walking, just oh, anything yeah. that gets your heart rate up um a little bit. In terms of weightlifting, that is so so important, especially for us w- women, the older we get, because it helps us retain muscle and also strength strengthens our bones. And we know that as we get older, those 
two things go down. So bones get weaker um, and muscle mass goes down. On top of that, with us, with um, our estrogen going once we hit menopause, that Mm -hmm. also reduces our bone mineral density and makes it more at risk of developing osteoporosis. But if we're doing strength training exercises, we, we tend to reduce the risk of that happening and it keeps us, you know, strong throughout um as as we age um yeah for for me i i i don't really like i i to be okay not that i don't really like hate is a strong word but if there's <laughs> another word in between i i just don't like running i i don't like the gotcha. way i feel when i run it, it just uh, and and the funny thing is that i realized was one of the things that used to make me hate exercise when i was younger because i always just thought all i could do was run i, I just needed to run because everybody tells you to run or jog i, I both i hit both of them equally <laughs> so <laughs> you really feel <laughs> yeah but walking i i can walk for days i love to walk um so that's one thing that i'm i miss the gym for i don't really i mean i don't mind to walk in nature i i do do it from time to time but mm-hmm. since covid hit and the roads are so quiet it, it has there's an eeriness <laughs> that i don't like when i go go out to walk because i know that lots of people have been negatively impacted by covid some people have you know they have mental health problems I, I might be a little bit paranoid here but I, I just don't like walking when it's too quiet um but when there's you know a good amount of people then I, I do love to go out um but then weightlifting will always be my number one just for the way it makes me feel nice okay <laughs> yeah it you know what it's it's kind of funny the the reason why I said weightlifting is because some people and especially women have a tendency to think that when you're, cause I like to do weightlifting as well, but some women have a tendency to think, oh, you're going to get big and bulky. And it's like, no, like there's, <laughs> it, it, it's, you're trying to stay toned. That's what it's for. You don't have to get big and bulky unless you want to, you know what I mean? Yes. I, I used to think the same as well. And I think that's why I put up weightlifting. I actually only started weightlifting um, towards the end of 2017 or 18 I think one day I just decided okay let me give this a go if I get bulky then I'll stop if I don't then we'll see how it goes yeah (laughs) but but I never got bulky so you know I realized oh it's just a myth we just think that because we see men getting bigger we're we're going to get that way but we just don't have the the testosterone levels to to get anywhere close to that unless taking steroids then okay that's a completely different ball game Exactly, exactly. So again, I've learned so much from you already, you know, during this conversation. So I really appreciate it. So if people wanted to connect with you further, what is your coaching style like? Is it very similar to how we're conversing right now? What what is your coaching style? So um, in the past, um, I used to be the sort of person that was always ready to tell you exactly what you need to do. And, you know, while that style might be helpful for some people, what I've come to realize is that it's not necessarily the best way to help most people. Uh, You see, for a person to implement permanent change or, or, or habits that can lead to permanent change, it's always helpful to allow them to realize what they need to do by themselves. So, I mean, of course, I help them along by asking specific questions that make them dig deep and find the answers they're looking for. Um, Once they've done that, I can then offer 
other valuable suggestions. So just backtracking a bit, the other issue with giving advice is that while the advice may be sound, a person's nutrition knowledge, social status, and other factors determine whether or not that advice is actionable. So it's always important to first of all, figure out whether um, and where they are, what they understand, what they can actually implement, and then find a way to help them make the best out of the resources they have available, while also providing suggestions that help them maximize their available resources. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, And honestly, I think a lot of people would appreciate that type of flexibility and customization, because to your point, you know, think that's why a lot of folks are starting to kind of pivot, if you will, more so from the traditional medicine, because people aren't listening to them. You know what I mean? And they're, they're coming at them with this advice from a one size fits all approach. So no, totally understand. Totally. Understand. And, and, and just to add to that, this is one of the reasons why I know one of the um, styles of selling coaching advice now is to well, it's not that new, but it's what everybody is jumping on. So creating courses. Um, and lots of people have asked me, oh, Sammy, why haven't you created a course yet? And then, and then, you know, it just takes me back to this. Uh, how, how do you create that course that fits everybody? It's, it's, not, it's not possible. Yeah. Uh, well, or at least I'm not in a stage where I feel confidence to create a course that I know everybody's going to do and everybody's going to get the same results. It's, it's, it's just really not going to work. Interacting with people, you know, or the clients I've worked with so far, everyone is so different. There, mm-hmm. there might be tiny similarities, but I, I find that one strategy that works brilliantly for somebody else, for somebody, if I try to give another person that same strategy, it wouldn't work. I, and I know because just based on the things they're saying things they've tried in the past you know so it's just how how I can't I can't create that course (laughs) no exactly no I completely understand where you're coming from and I think the whole I I know what you're talking about the whole course phenomenon you know if you're going to say one thing you can maximize it and whatnot I I believe that that works for some industries better than others. And I don't really think in your case, and I, and don't get me wrong, I have seen some, but with that said, the back of my mind, for those of us, in my opinion, that are really, really focused on changing, I'd rather have a conversation with someone, you know, because I don't think a course is going to answer all of my questions, at least when it comes to health, nutrition, medical, that like that, I just, that, that to me is a conversation. That's not, hey, press play. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, if, if a person is looking for a diet, then sure, I can tell you a diet in a course because mm-hmm. there's the same steps for everybody. But exactly. if you're really trying to change your habits and you're trying to do something that you're, you're actually going to do permanently, the, the, there's, there's no course. It, it just doesn't exist. So I've, I've tried to explain why I think the fact that you've understood my point of view, I, I exactly. feel I don't need to explain anymore because, yeah, for, for, for my industry, because, I mean, it would be great to become a millionaire like yesterday, but I think in my profession... <laughs> Count me in on that too. <laughs> in my in my profession, I, I don't think that the course model is going to be the way I do it. Maybe I need to help, you know, two million people and actually be satisfied that I really gave them my best. And then that the success will be actually worth celebrating. Yeah. And honestly, you should you have a lot to celebrate already. 
quite frankly, I could see you doing workshops more so than the course route, because again, you could take questions and whatnot. Again, and sorry, that's like the marketing coming out at me, but. <laughs> I know, I think I should actually have a private conversation with you about that. <laughs> yes, you know, we, yes, we can talk offline on that. <laughs> all right. So, you know what, what does, you know, we're talking about all these different aspects, health, exercise, your coaching style. What does success look like to you? So if we're talking in terms of my clients, I have to say that it would be things like my clients telling me that they're doing things that they never thought possible um, because it's just one of the most phenomenal feelings ever. For example, a client telling me they ate a vegetable after not eating any for years just oh, wow. because they thought they hated it. You know, that is a big win. Or another client having a takeaway and deciding to eat half the portion and adding a side of vegetables to make the meal more whole is another incredible win. Um, little wins like this is is really what I call success because like I said which changing diet is people don't realize the importance of the small things it's Mm -hmm. it's those small things that add up to the big things they always think oh I have to go from you know eating takeaways every day or having four liters of, of, of soda to completely eating, I don't know, the meal that they think is a perfect meal. We're eating mm-hmm. that all the time. E- even the people who have the healthiest diets don't do that. But because of diet industry, you know, it has really skewed people's minds into trying to find a different or, or like skewed their minds into thinking they have to aim for perfection sure. when what they need to do is just aim for doing the best they can more often than doing the things that are probably not so health promoting um yeah yeah no that, that that makes perfect sense it's almost like they're kind of the industry if you will is kind of like guilting way like playing with that person's emotions in terms of guilting them into maybe choosing their specific diet. Does that make sense? So yes. does it, Okay. All right. Just want to make sure that made sense. It, I yeah. feel like maybe they're playing with their emotions. Like you shouldn't be doing that. This is what you should be doing. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. And to maximize profits as well. Don't forget that one. Exactly. It's all <laughs> about, the, all about the dollars. <laughs> because they know you're going to fail and come back. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> all right so what is one special skill I know you've you have already shared so many talents with us but what is one special skill that you would really like to learn hmm I think um it would probably be to if I could speak another language language fluently that would be awesome because I feel bad that the only language I have is English I don't have anything else um (laughs) French 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 will be my language of choice only because I you know I learned it a little um when I was in school but it never progressed from there so I still remember like the little things like you know bonjour and you know the group things and some vegetables and but that's I I can't speak it um being at this these days well I think being bilingual or multilingual is kind of good for business because then you can reach like you know a whole not just for business but for interactions and all of that um so yeah, if, if I could learn another language, preferably French, I think that would make me a very happy person. Oh, fantastic. And don't think that you can, it's too late to learn. I'm telling, let me just tell you real quick. So um, like you, I, I remembered quite a bit of, I, I take Spanish. So I remembered quite a bit of the Spanish language, like 
when I was a kid, I took it all through like uh, high school. I still remembered quite a bit. And then recently, and I mean recently, maybe a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago, I decided, I'm like, you know what? That's always bothered me that I never finished. And so I started taking classes online. And oh, wow. now, I, I mean, I'm not going to say I'm fluent, but I can definitely hold my own in a conversation. So it's something that you can, you can do it. You really can, you can. And, and being online, my goodness, they offer these classes online. So I can help you out more offline on that too. <laughs> oh, <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> You've been an incredible resource to me already. So <laughs> oh man. So you know what? 2022, right? We all have hopes and dreams. If you had to choose one word to re represent your goals for this year, what would it be and why? Okay, that one is easy. Um, and it would absolutely be consistency. Um, honestly, everything that you ever dream of having or being leaves on the other side of consistent actions. Um, and the thing is that those actions don't need to be big. Doing the small things every day gives big results. Um, of course, not immediately, but eventually, and whenever it comes, those little investments always end up being worth the effort. Um, I have big goals this year, just like you probably do. And I, I just know that the only way to get them is to be consistent and intentional with my actions. So consistency for 2022 is absolutely my mantra. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And there must be something with the C's because I chose cultivate. <laughs> ah. <laughs> there are some skills that, you know, I, I want to develop a little bit further to help me be more like be in a better position, if you will, to achieve some of the goals I want to want to yeah. really uh, cross off my to do list. So <laughs> awesome. Last but not least, what's the best piece of advice you have for those seeking to live a healthy lifestyle? I would say make small gradual changes and also True. be consistent um, the only way to reclaim and maintain health is to cultivate good habits um, and cultivating habits takes time it takes patience and it takes consistency I know I've said consistency a lot but honestly it's, it's very important it's <laughs> yeah it's um, I would I will also say though that if a person has struggled to make changes on their own please, please, please seek help from a registered professional. Most, most cases, they've learned the skills to help you identify your barriers and also help you implement changes that can get you to your goal quicker. Um, so yeah, that, that's my best advice. Fantastic, fantastic. So Somi, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. And for folks that are looking to connect with you, where can they find you online? So um, you can find me on my website at somiigbena.com. You can also email me um, hello at somiigbena.com or you can find me on Instagram um, now on the pre-diabetes uh, nutritionist. Fantastic. And everyone, all of her information will be on our website as well as in the show notes. So again, Somi, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all the gems that you've shared with us today. It's been absolutely wonderful chatting with you today, Tasha. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle and Faith and would like to support the show, 
please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate, or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, the risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode.